Graphic design empire. Take control of it. Do you know what? These are really great questions. If you want it, you're just going to find a way to get it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today's show is with Sash Shots, the photographer from Cardiff down in Wales. Yeah, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think it was a fantastic one. So much good meaning, really good stories as well. Uh, I know we talk about that on every episode, but this is this is one that stuck out to me. Uh, we've written up a blog article as well on the website creativewaffle.club with some of the main points that we covered on the episode. That is linked down in the description, uh, as well as all of Sash's uh, Instagram and, and social media handles. If you're on YouTube, you may be able to tell this episode was filmed quite a while ago uh, because of my haircut. It's growing back though. It's nice. It's coming. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy the, the episode and uh, I'll see you at the end. So let's chat. Uh, all right then. That's it. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> uh, I, I love getting different people with accents on this podcast. And um, and where, the Welsh accent is one of my favourite accents in the world. Uh, so I'm pleased How to... How dare you? Are you saying that I have an accent? um right okay uh i have to i have to the problem is when i start to speak quickly uh the cardiff comes out of me and especially when i'm in uh uh like a local gym or something like that then uh, then it really does really does come out um but when i'm thinking about it uh, all the drama school training that I had when I was younger starts to come out. And then I, I start to pronounce my vowels correctly. But for you, sir, I will just relax and uh, <laughs> be natural. No, I, I like it a lot. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually a Swansea City football fan and my dad grew up down there. So uh, I, I love, ah. love Wales as a, as a country anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm still, I'm still very tired on who to support in the football because um, I'm a Swansea do you, fan. Do you, do you live in Wales or? No, no, no. I, I live in England. My dad moved back to, moved back to England uh, around age thirteen, but he, all of his childhood was sort of in in Swansea. So, yeah. All right. So he still carried all that. Right, fair enough. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I still got, I, I don't know how. So yeah, basically just just tied. I got a couple of cousins down there and a couple of family friends, but nothing too serious. But I, I just something I love more about. Wales and Swansea than I do England. <laughs> it's really yeah, weird. Well, it's weird. We're tied to we're tied to our families' backgrounds, aren't we? So uh, I've got a similar sort of problem. So I'm moving. I'm moving a little bit where I get a bit more Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> so if you see if you see kids passing and then sticking their fingers up behind me, that's just because <laughs> I'm in the doorway. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a, it's a weird thing, isn't it? That, that you feel so, somehow sort of tied to your parents' roots. There's a sort of romantic. Um, What's the word? Uh, attachment that you have to to where your family comes from. That's exactly um, it. Yeah. yeah, I got the same thing. I got the same thing. So what about you then? What, what's your short story? Where are you from? Oh, it's not. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's not a short story. But I'll try and um, condense it as quickly as I can. So my whole family is from the Czech Republic, ah. and um, uh, yeah, I suppose the best way to describe it is in uh, 1968 during Prague Spring. Uh, the f- uh, my father, who was in the Air Force at the time, saw the um, Russian tanks coming over the fields and basically said, oh, okay, time to go, because um, they'd live under communist rule for, well, since the war, <coughs> and um, came to the UK. Um, aunts and uncles fled all over the world, and most of them settled in America, 
but my parents, for some unknown reason, well, no, there's a very known reason, um, they came to London to start with. My dad was a qualified um, doctor and got a job in Brighton in a hospital. And then mum, who had only done a couple of years medical school training, um, managed to get a place in Cardiff University. And we just ended up staying in Cardiff. I was born here, um, lived yeah we traveled around a little bit when i was a kid you know all over the world um but um we eventually came back to cardiff and settled in cardiff nice. um so yeah i've been as they say in cardiff, i'm cardiff born cardiff bred <laughs> and probably at this rate when i die i'll be cardiff dead as they say <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah i didn't think about that um, yeah. no it's, it's exactly like you say it's, it's nice to have um different countries in, in your blood and um I guess my dad's isn't in his blood, but because uh, he's English born as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's nice to be attached to different countries, different places, and a little bit of a story behind uh, Well, there's a weird thing, isn't it? Um, I'm trying to think who said it was. Uh, it was Einstein, uh, Albert Einstein. Sorry to quote Albert Einstein, but he was that, that nationalism is a disease. Um, and when you feel like you don't have a, uh, a nationality, that, that kind of thing about that kind of uh, that tribal nationalism i don't feel the same way because yeah i was born in wales and i considered myself welsh i got a british part well i've always had a british passport but i used to have a czech passport as well um i've never felt attached to anywhere and that's because growing up there was always pictures so um, i should have said we could never go back to prague uh, where my parents are from in the Czech republic because uh, my dad deserted from the uh, air force Uh so he didn't know if he went back whether he'd get out of the country again because up until 1991, there was still a communist country. Um, so I, I grew up with Czech in the household. I grew up with pictures of Prague all over the place, but could never go there. So, you know, it was really a romantic thing in my mind that one day um, I would go back. And um, as I've got older and uh, it's now, you know, a completely open and fully democratic country, um, my parents, we've still got family over there. My parents go back quite frequently. But weirdly, I've lost that attachment. I've lost that kind of romantic. My, I've got my family now. I've got my own little unit. So I've got yeah. no, I mean, whilst I do go back and visit and it's great and have a lot of fun, uh, my home is here. Yeah. You found yourself. That's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Um, that brings us nicely on actually to, to sort of your story uh, mm. and how you got into what you're doing now. But uh, take us back to, um, yeah, I guess, growing up in Cardiff and, and finding um, finding your feet and finding your first sort of creativity. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, I'll try and make this as, as brief as I can. So listen, I'm in my mid-40s, right? So when I was growing up, uh, it was weird. Uh, the first kind of sign of creativity I had was music and uh, and uh, theatre. All right, so my mum used to take me to to growing up in the Czech Republic. All they had was ballroom dancing and classical music. So you can imagine when I was growing up, that's all that was allowed in the house. Not ballroom dancing, I will hasten to add, but <laughs> classical music. Classical music. Right. Um, and my mum insisted from uh, the age of eight that I had to play piano. And then I said I hated piano because she used to stand over me and make me practice. Um, and then I was 11 years old and um, my mate in school gave me uh, two cassettes that his older brother had had. And uh, that was, um, I vividly remember it. it was Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. I'm not proud of that. And the other one was uh, ACDC, Fly on the Wall. 
And I remember put, pressing play on the tape player and it terrified me to start with, but I thought, whatever that is, I want to do it. So I begged my parents to buy me a guitar. Um, and um, I think I was, what, 12 when I got my first guitar and it was my, my prized possession. It was, I was never the sporty kid in school. I was always the one that was picked last in, um, in, uh, in football and rugby. Um, I was ridiculously uh, genetically ungifted. <laughs> um, but um, I knew how, I just knew how to get a tune out of this guitar. And then I used to do all the school plays in school and that got me, I just, I just every time I'd step into a theater, I'm like, this is the place I want to be. So um, I ended up doing a, um, a degree in theater, but the whole time I, uh, I was at theater college, I was in bands and I'd be playing in bands um, from the age of, I mean, 16, you know, I was sort of sneaking into bars and clubs with my guitar and, and playing with guys and in the local Cardiff music scene. Um, and then up uh, in Aberystwyth where I was, um, and I'm not gonna start name dropping, but there was some, you know, I played with some, some really, really big bands who weren't big at the time, trust me. Um, and then uh, sort of uh, weirdly um, got a Saturday job in a guitar shop. Uh, so I settled back in Cardiff um, and I only meant to be a temporary thing because I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go to London, I'm gonna make my fame and fortune. It was, you know, uh, mid nineties. I thought I, I'm gonna go do it. Um, and it never happened because I'm not, I'm not gonna blame her, but you know, I met my wife. Um, uh, she wasn't from South Wales, but she decided to do her teacher training in South Wales. Um, I joined this, uh, rock band, um, was a bunch of my mates and we were going to make it, you know, we were doing the whole thing. We had a management deal. We were going to go to America. We were going to get on movie soundtracks. Yeah, it was all going on. It was all happening. We were, we were due to, um, support nirvana on the oh, wow. uk tour you know it was really kicking off and this was at the time of cool cymru we're talking stereophonics and all those kind of bands yeah then regrettably um everything just went to crap uh, the bass player in the band <laughs> ended up in prison um the uh obviously kurt cobain tragically uh, killed himself um and uh, things just fell apart and uh i'd been in the music shop for about three years and wife was saying to me, uh, well, I was saying to myself, it's about time I got a proper job. And the singer in the band worked in IT. Um, and he was a freelance computer programmer and was earning an absolute ton of money. And I said to him, how do you do all this stuff? And um, he was like, oh, I just blag it, you know, and why don't you come and work with me and I'll show you how it's all done. I thought, this is it. This is my way out of this music scene that's got going anywhere. Um, I wasn't acting. I wasn't working in theatre because I really wasn't interested. I wanted to be a musician. And I thought, oh, I'll do that then. So I discovered that Cardiff University was doing a conversion course into computer science. Um, but it was a one-year master's in computer science. Um, I managed to save a bit of money. I got on that conversion course. Um, very, very long story short. I uh, got my first... Uh, 2001, I got my first web development job with a small, very small uh, web kind of design um, uh, company. And um, I really sort of went, ah, this is it. This is, this is stimulating me. I'm designing websites. I'm building websites for small like, you know, little record shops. And this was at a time where, you know, flash intros were like really, really uh, uh, fashionable and... and uh, uh, 
you know, uh, it was really at the start of the sort of the dot-com boom. And I just hopped then from um, uh, web company to web company doing sort of web development, you know, basic web development and brand development and, and design stuff. Um, well, as a freelancer, was it? Uh, I know I ended up being freelance. Ah. Um, so it was a, a bit of a, w- a weird story. So um, I went from sort of one company and then things kind of went bad. The company went bust and I managed to ah. jump into another company. And that company it was doing okay. Um, and then I eventually settled in a, in a really good company. Um, they're still going, I believe, called Control 2K. Um, and it, this was an interesting one because um, they were a bunch of engineers who worked uh, on, the, in the for, on the site of the Ford Motor Plant. And they were uh, specialists, you know, they all had engineering degrees, but they wanted to get into web development. So they brought a lot of engineering methodology that didn't exist in web development to web development. Stuff that you see now, now, like Agile and Scrum and project management, you know, a lot of um, engineering methodologies, like what they call lean thinking, they were bringing this to web development in like early 2000s. And um, that was really beneficial for me in terms of the way that I worked and the way that I approached my work um, that really benefited me with every company and every work that I did because I was using stuff that they were teaching me and people were going, oh, we love the way you think. And I'm going, well, this is just normal to me. Now it's in every web company, you know, the project management methodologies and um, all these kind of weird, not weird at all, but logical ways of approaching solutions are kind of, normal now um but in 2003 so uh, basically what happened was with the talking about creative outlet so that was that's creative in one way but the music kind of stopped in 2000 2000 2000 2001 yeah it all fell apart basically the band all fell apart and i gave up my dreams of being a rock star but um one of my good mates from the music shop um called me in 2003 and he was the archetypal wedding singer and he said, listen, um, in the middle of Cardiff, there's a big O'Neill's. It's massive. Um, it's right by the station in Cardiff. And, and he, used to, he used to play gigs there all the time. And uh, he said to me, listen, the O'Neill's have asked me whether, we wanna do, uh, whether I want to do an acoustic night on Sunday nights. I said, well, that doesn't interest me. Because, you know, you've been to every acoustic night and it's some guy in the corner that everyone's ignoring, singing about his dog of it, uh, dying, you know, and, and it's, it's boring. And, you know, he's singing. And I said, listen, I, I'm not interested. He said, come on, he said, it'd be a lot of fun. We were best mates. It'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun. And I said, oh, you know, I said, I'll tell you, do you a deal. I'll do it on the proviso that we don't do what everyone else is doing. We'll do something different. And he goes, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, I don't want to be doing the dogs died songs. I don't want to be doing like the songs that everybody flipping else does. But uh, I said, let's do stuff that makes us laugh. Let's do, let's, let's do something different. Let's put on a show. And we played that Sunday, every Sunday for 10 years in the center of town. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and it was kind of like, we used to joke because we never used to advertise for anything. We didn't need to, you know, we were gigging all the time. But we were kind of like Cardiff's best kept secret because Sunday night was usually what they called trade nights. So all the people who worked in bars and clubs would have a night off and go out and have a drink. And they all used to come to us. Um, and it was brilliant. Yeah, it was really brilliant. And we're still going. We're still, we're still playing. We're not, we're not doing every Sunday now. We got bored. <laughs> I hate to say it, we got bored. Um, <laughs> but we still play in Cardiff. Uh, and um, that was really what was scratching my itch. So I was you know, designing websites during the day or building websites. And that was creative. 
and I was um, uh, playing music at night. But here's what happened. My mate then got a job, which meant he had to travel the world. Poor lad. Uh, he works in events. So at a moment's notice, he could get a phone call, right, you've got to be in Dubai and you've got to do this event. And he'd be away. Um, and then uh, this got more and more and I got more and more frustrated with it. And of course, I was getting older and older. And what, I, you know, at first we started off with a good laugh and a way of, I hate to even put it this way, a way of like uh, uh, looking at girls on a Sunday night or a Saturday night, you know, you know you're know, you out and it's, it's fun and you get a lot of attention and all that kind of stuff. You get to a certain age and I, yeah, I'm going to have to admit I had a bit of a midlife crisis, especially as my eldest son is nearly 16 now. I was thinking to myself, I was stood on the stage saying, this is bonkers in three years time to you at the time it was sort of three, four years time. I was thinking, my boy's going to be walking in here looking for, you know, and saying, oh, come on, dad, give me a lift home. I'm thinking, I'm too old to do this now. And also, my knees started to hurt. My neck and my shoulder starts to hurt. You know, you, and also, what I used to be able to do, I used to gig on a Sunday night and get in at you know, one in the morning, not go to sleep till two because you're buzzing, and then get up at half past six, seven o'clock in the morning, go to work, you know, or up with the baby, or go to work, and I'd be fine. That shit don't float anymore when you're in your forties. It really <laughs> doesn't. Um, you know, it takes you a good couple of days to recover. Yeah, yeah. So it got to a point where I said, "Look, not to my mate." I said, "Look, you're not here often enough. The thing that I enjoy more than anything is not the act of making, uh, playing music. It's the act of making music. What I enjoyed with him is the collaborative process of coming up with these crazy ideas." where we would play, we would mash, you know, 12 1990s dance songs together into, you know, one four minute track. We would, you know, mix, um, I don't know, so mix a lot into Bat Out of Hell. You know, we would do some, you know, really kind of, we would do stuff that would make us laugh. And, but we didn't do that because he was away. So I was missing that collaborative thing and I was missing it all. And eventually I just, you know, I hit the fuck it button. Excuse my French. I hit, I hit the button and I said, you know, enough's enough. I, I'm too old for this shit. We, we've got to knock it on the head. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we were gutted and all the other bits and pieces. And, and this was, God, when was this? Four years ago now? Must have been four years ago. My wife still thought I was an idiot because, I, listen, I've been playing guitar since the age of 12, 13. And I basically said, you know, I think I'm going to sell all my guitars. I don't even enjoy playing them anymore. It got to that, but it got to that point. It really got deep, deep and dark into, you don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to do it. I just, it, I couldn't even, I got a, I got a, I'll go into my ethos in a minute, but I would pick up my guitar every day and just noodle and then put it down. But I couldn't even look at it. I wouldn't even get it out of the case. I wouldn't, you know, it was, I really became to resent it to a degree because it, you know, I had a bad neck, bad shoulder um, and I wasn't enjoying myself. So six months later, we've stopped gigging. Everybody knows we've stopped gigging. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to, I need another hobby. I'm bored. You know, I, uh, I'm not getting out. I'm not doing anything. And it just coincided. My, my mother-in-law, uh, somebody gifted her a, a pretty much entry-level DSLR. I've always been into photography, but the only thing I've ever photographed is my kids. Mm. You know, I've never really thought about it uh, or done pictures for a website, you know, but never really thought about it, doing it in, a, in any anger. Anyway, she, she got this entry-level DSLR. She lives up in the forest of Dean and one evening, she said to, to me, listen, I've got this camera. I never use it. Do you want it? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll have it. No problem. And she put it, she put it in my hands, you know, and it, it was fairly, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad camera. You know, it was a decent Nikon camera. It had a fairly decent, uh, I mean, it was a kit zoom lens, but 
I thought, this is brilliant. Um, and because they live in the Forest of Dean, the first thing I did was I said, I'll be right back. Took the car, jumped in the car, went to a local sort of nature spot, went out with the camera and started pic taking pictures of birds and trying to, you know, take pictures of leaves and tree bark and things yeah. like that. And then I thought to myself, what am I going to do with these pictures? I'm going to have to learn how to edit. What do I do? Oh, YouTube, you know. And so then I started doing that and suddenly I was like alive. And it, um, there's been a few moments in my life where I've done something and it's like a bell sounding in your head. You go bing and you go, that's what you want to do. And the moment that camera was in my hand and I started taking pictures, I I vividly remember it. I said to my wife, I said, this is what I want to be doing. I found the thing that I want to do. I don't know why I, at the age of 40, whatever, well, I don't know, 44, 41, 42, uh, 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 this is what it, this is it. This is what I want to be doing. So, um, you know, I, you do, there's a sort of natural progression that every sort of photographer that you see goes through. They start to learn how to do things. They start to learn about the gear. They start to look at what other people are doing um, and they start to find what they want. And I was like, do you know what? Everyone seems to be taking pictures of sunsets. Everyone seems to be taking pictures of, do you know how many pictures of Doodle Door down in Dorset I've seen? People, you know, you know, the sun rising sunsets, you see it all over Instagram. I thought, that just doesn't interest me in the slightest. I yeah, like the same things, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like people. People are interesting. People tell stories. You can take the, you can take, 200 pictures of the same face one after the other and no two pictures to me will be the same mm. because uh i don't know i just find people inherently fascinating i've always felt like um you, you hear this all the time you know you feel like a bit of an outsider and all this kind of stuff you know even when i'm gigging i know i've, I've spent my life in bars and clubs i mean literally spent my entire childhood yeah, yeah. growing up in bars and clubs but i was never in the bar and club because i was always on the stage i don't drink so so, so, the, so the, the, the wild things that I've, and trust me, I've seen some crazy shit over the years. And that's a podcast all on its own <laughs> yeah. uh, of, the, of the stuff that we've seen. And if you want to do that, um, I tell you, it might be worth doing it. If you want to do it with me and Nige, just about uh, of how we came up with things. That's another thing. Where was I going with this? Um, the, um, I completely lost my train of thought. Where was I? That's all right. The internet dropped uh, out a little bit then as well. <laughs> oh, did it? Yeah, I got, I got you. Uh, uh, what was I saying? Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point I was, uh, ultimately what I was trying to say is that this came into my life into a big way. Um, I, when I fixate on something, um, it was drilled into me from a very early age. If you're going to do something, do it 100, 110%. Don't play at it. Even if, you know, and that's why I think to a degree why I quit music because I knew that I wasn't giving 100% to it. We were just coasting along. But then a weird thing started to happen, right? So like most web developers, it's a sedentary job. So in, hang on, hang on, hang on, in 2009, I got a mate of mine who's a former Royal, uh, Royal Marine Commando who did his six years, uh, got out and ended up doing uh, fitness and PT work. And I'd been sat at a desk for sort of nine years and at that horrible, my mother-in-law took a picture of me at Centre Park and at that horrible thing of, you know, you got this image in your head of how you look. And this is, I've got this picture on my, uh, uh, which I look at every now and again of what I look like. Uh, my kids were very, very young. Um, and I just looked like this hasty middle-aged guy with a spreading belly. So I phoned my mate up and I said, listen, mate, you, you've got to do something with me. And he said, it's ju just as well you phoned me. He said, I found this amazing thing called CrossFit. This was 2009 now. So this was very early days. Uh, he said, you're going to love it. So I started going to him. Um, 
again, this is such a long story. I'm sorry. I don't want to bore no, it's good. I'm not enjoying this. Um, I've always been a, so I always done martial arts as well. Right. So at the age okay. of 13, I was getting beaten up in school. My mum sent me to a karate class in the, in the, in the local church hall. And it was um, run by a guy called Roland Francois, who was one of the British dragons. So in Shotokan karate, there's these top tier guys. And um, I took to it immediately. It was just like, because oh, I was into Kung Fu films when I was a kid. I loved Jackie Chan. I loved Bruce Lee. I loved all those kind of, you know, the, the, the golden harvest films. I'd eat them up because it was all about, you know, as being the weak and weedy kid, it was all, the stories were always about the, you know, guys who could do superhuman feats. Mm. And I thought, well, if I learn karate, maybe I could do the, some of those superhuman feats. But I've always been a fan of, fighting and karate and and boxing and, and everything and, and I would read and when I was in university I would read every single martial arts uh, 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 tomb, tome that I could find so that moving Zen art of Zen Zen and the art of archery um, uh, you name it I, I probably read it um, but one that really stuck with me though was the the book of five rings um, and I must have read that when I was 18 and I don't know why it stuck with me Book of Five Rings, if you don't know, is, is written by a, a 16th, 17th century Ronin. Ronin was a samurai that had no master. The guy was Miyamoto Musashi. And Musashi uh, wrote these series of books, but one the ones that really hit me when I was 18 was this Book of Five Rings because it was a 400-year-old book and it made absolute sense to me. It made up. I, just couldn't, I can't explain it to you. I was reading it and going, yeah, that makes complete sense. If you want to live, if you want to be successful, if you want to live your life a certain way there's certain lessons in there and he's talking about sword fighting and killing people by the side of the road all right and it's it's mm. generally it's it's quite okay it's very specific but i don't know why it had such a big impact on me but it had a really big impact on me um and uh where was i going so the point was i was into fighting and martial arts so when i joined my mate in his gym and he started to train me uh, it was a it was a boxing it was a bo fitness stroke boxing gym. There was a boxing ring down at the end of the gym, and at the end of the gym there was a guy uh, holding pads. Um, who, when I noticed him, I went, "Oh my god, that's Steve Robinson." Now, if you don't know who Steve Robinson is, that's fine. But Steve Robinson, they used to call him the Cinderella Man in Cardiff. He's a local hero. He's seven times uh, world featherweight champion of the world said world twice then and he took the world championship fight on two days notice he worked in the stock room of house of fraser i think he used to work with a mate of mine um and um he had a fairly okay record but um i forgot was it ruben palacios somebody pulled out because they tested positive for hiv two days before the fight he took the fight wasn't expected to win one and defended his title seven times. He was like a local, he is like a local hero. Um, he's now, he's now since then, he, he's a very good friend of mine, but I couldn't believe it. I was so starstruck. So Dabs, my mate introduced me to him and we all started training. And then it was a couple of years before I picked up the courage to ask Steve to train me, but I basically found fitness and fitness has been a big part of my life for the past 10 years, as much as, training as much as uh, working you know in web development and playing music and all that kind of stuff it's very important to me i've got two young kids it's very important that you know i'm active and they're active um and then uh, and there's a there's a point to this whole whole uh, diversion the, the point is i ask steve as much as long with the crossfit i asked steve to train me 
Mm. And he said, yeah, if you want to train, that's fine. I can teach you how to box. Um, and again, another one of those bells going off in my head. You know, I, I, you know, I'd done all sorts of uh, martial arts from Tai Chi to Aikido to combat jiu-jitsu to Brazilian jiu-jitsu to karate. But the moment I wrapped my hands and I entered that boxing gym, that was like a bell going off. I was like, oh, no, this this is what I want to do. Mm. And I trained with Steve for five years and uh, trained with some of his aspired with some of his amateurs. And from that, um, the first thing I thought when I got that camera was I'm taking this camera to the gym because in gyms you see the best and the worst of everybody. Um, and that, that was the thing that got me right. CrossFit gyms are very, very unique. Listen, you know, I I love it or hate it. Right. And there's a lot of detractors to the whole CrossFit thing. Um, I mean, a lot of detractors And, and I hear that. I understand that. The one thing that CrossFit does do is that it builds a community of people together um, that you all do the same thing. It's not like you walk into a gym and you're all doing different things. You walk into a gym, the workout is on the whiteboard, you go three, two, one, go. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I'd bring the camera to the gym and I would train. And then the moment I'd finished my workout, I'd run to my bag, grab my camera and start taking pictures. Um, with the, and I had a thing in my mind, what I really wanted to see, what I never see in CrossFit photography is people thought is the, is the, the worst of people when they're absolutely sprayed with sweat, when they're straining, when there's drama, when there's a story to tell. Yeah. yeah. Um, because these are people all that I know, you know, and know fairly intimately because you, you train with them day in, day out. Um, and the motivation was that was that I did the, I did the website for my mate's gym and I said, well, he, he does a blog every day, which has got the workout of the day and he sort of gives notices and all that kind of stuff, but he needed imagery. So I started taking pictures mm. for the blog. Um, and the way I, I think the only way to learn something is by doing. Um, and I figured, you know, that, you know, the 10,000 hours thing, which yeah, is, yeah, which yeah. is bullshit. It's bullshit, by the way, the only way to practice. <laughs> well, um, so the, oh, I'm going to go back to this thing. It, Miyamoto Masashi, the book of the five rings, uh, he says, um, and it's, it sticks in my head. It's been, I should have it tattooed on my bottom, but it, it is, uh, once you see the way broadly, you see it in all things. And I thought to myself, what am I good at? There's one thing in my life that I'm actually good at, and that's playing the guitar, right? I might, you know, I know that sounds arrogant or whatever, but I've achieved a level of competence, should we say, with playing the guitar. So how did I do that? I pick up my guitar every day. It's little and often it's, it's considered practice. Today, I'm just going to play a couple of scales. Tomorrow, I'm going to play a couple of arpeggios. Um, the day after, I'm going to learn a song. You know, it's considered, but, but it's also um, consistent and persistent um, practice. Um, and I applied that to photography. Even if I'm taking a picture of the study or uh, taking a picture of my feet, uh, I will pick up the camera and I will do something with it um, and try and learn something new or try and think about a new concept. So from that, I went to, um, I, I, please interrupt me anytime you want, mate. I, am, I, I understand that it's now seven o'clock and I've been talking for <laughs> half an hour. No, no keep going because I, I want to break it down afterwards. Okay, so... Um, so from the CrossFit gym, 
everyone was telling me, oh, these pictures are great. And yeah. I go, uh, they're, they're not what I, they're not the standard I want to take yet. Because I honestly, I had this crappy entry-level DSLR. But here's an interesting thing. In the fight business, it's ex the, the community is really small. So I set up my Instagram and started to reach out to all the, I thought, right, the other thing about um, learning is looking at what all the experts do. So I started to research, who are the people that I really like in photography? Well, I'm never gonna get in contact with Annie Lee Lovitz, am I? She's just a little bit too, what's the word, uh, unattainable. However, amazingly and surprisingly, CrossFit, they, they've jettisoned, unfortunately they've jettisoned them all now, but CrossFit HQ in America uh, put in their employ a series of top-notch photographers. So I started sending them messages on Instagram, especially as I met a couple of them. They used to travel the world. So I met a couple of them and I was like, how do you get good light? Because listen, the light in this gym is dog shit. Yeah, most gyms. So yeah. then I started to get terrible, absolutely mm. terrible. So they're saying, no, I'm getting advice from them about right, what you need to do is this, this and this. And the only way you're going to be able to do it is X. And here's these things you can consider. And I'm like, okay, right. Now I've got information. Now I can do some, apply it and do something with it. So from there, um, I started, so the, the other, so obviously I've been a massive UFC fan for many, many years. Uh, and I'm talking back to the old pride days uh, right. in the mid nineties. Uh, I would be, you know, trying to get VHSs from, you know, nicking VHS from my mates and all this kind of stuff, trying to go, oh, did you see that? And this was from in Japan and, and this guy did this. And, you know, that's typical sort of uh, bro stuff. Um, and I love the way in the early 2000s that the UFC was marketing itself. And I was thinking, that's what I want to do. You know, if I could take, and what you'd get is all these photographers who would do these great, amazing portraits of these great fighters, because I idolize fighters. And now uh, knowing a lot of fighters and being embedded with a lot of fighters for real now, uh, I idolize them even more because uh, they are remarkable human beings. And I can't mm -hmm. stress that enough. I mean, people... Anyway, that's, that's a side side issue. So what I, I spoke, and, and I have to credit Steve really for, for, for getting me started on this. Uh, Steve's got a son, Steve retired um, 15 years ago. He's now 51, no, I'm gonna get this right because he'll kill me otherwise. He's, 50, he's 51. Um, and he's probably the most in shape human being I've ever met still now. He, he beats me in every workout and he's 51. Wow. He's, in, he's, he's in incredible shape. But he's got uh, three kids. Um, eldest son was pro, now isn't. But the middle son, Jacob, baby Jake, um, who I know quite well from the gym, um, he uh, turned pro pretty much when I was training with his dad. And I said to him, you know what? Could I follow you with my camera and take some pictures of you while you're training? And, and I thought to myself, in my mind, I've got to tell a story. Mm -hmm. Now, I've always written, I've always kept a diary uh, ever since I was, it's weird, 13 years old. At the end of the day, I'll just, it's my, it's my wind down time. I scribble down my thoughts and I don't just say today ate some breakfast, today uh, went to the gym. I don't say that. I'll go, I'll talk about the story. Today, something interesting happened. So I look back then I, I know what's going on. And I thought to myself, could I combine storytelling with actually writing with the pictures? Could I actually write something in the way that I was thinking, well, that'd be great. Baby Jake having his first pro fight going from an amateur and he didn't have a big amateur career, which is unusual, to having his first pro fight. 
So then I begged Steve and I said, Steve, do you reckon I could come and shoot the show? You know, the actual show, you know, there's, there's a promoter and, there's, and I didn't know anything about anything about boxing. Knew loads about mixed martial arts, but nothing about boxing, how the business works or how, anything. And to be fair to Steve, he, and, um, and believe you me, it's amazingly easy, but he arranged it for me to shoot the first, my first boxing show. And that was uh, on MTK Global's uh, Cardiff, they did a Cardiff show. And that was September, remember it vividly, September 9th, I think, 2018. And that was That's my huge, first, MTK, for me, that, well. well, they weren't, here's the thing, they weren't huge at the time. Okay. So, so you know, uh, and I turned up and there was three other photographers and bless them, they were all wonderful. And they all gave me tons of advice and tons of help. And it's just spiraled from there. And I thought, do you know what, this is brilliant. Maybe I can go to every gym in, in South Wales. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. I, I'm not one of those people that is, um, if, if I'm going to do something, I'm all in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I figured I'd do my, I, I just had this barking idea. My first ever portrait shoot, I managed to get, huh, I blagged my way into Cage Warriors in Cardiff, which was a couple of months later. And this is all through Gary Lockett, which is, so it's a weird kind of, it's such a small community. And I'm going to bore you with how I got to this gym, to that gym, and through all these gyms. But through Steve, I was at the boxing show. And at the boxing show, I met other people. And I said to those people, listen, the way I figured it was rather than attach myself to promoters, I'd attach myself to fighters. Because it, I figured mm. fighters are not, a, uh, necessarily uh, social media savvy. Um, they can't be taking pictures all the time. They're concentrating on training. And trust me, these guys are training six days a week, sometimes two, three times a day, right? They are knackered. They've also got full-time jobs, some of them. They don't get paid very much. And let's be honest, uh, boxers rather than MMA guys, they aren't necessarily uh, the most gifted when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I thought, Hey, listen, I've got a skill. I can help you out. I don't want any money for this. I'm just learning. Um, what if I come to your gym and take some pictures and you can have them? No problem. Well, guess what? Everybody said, yes, absolutely. And I was like, well, great. And I figured I'd only do it for, for a little bit. Um, but it's like, what now two years later and I'm still doing it. I'm still traveling to gyms and still going and meeting people and, you know, finding new people. And, and, and I figured uh, I've got a, I've got a, a saying that if you, I don't chase money. Money, uh, money has no interest to me, just as well, really, because I don't bloody got any. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm chasing my passion. And if I do something with 100% passion, then money's a byproduct. Um, uh, and that's what I'm doing. I am just pursuing this with as much passion and as much um, good intentions as possible. Um, I'm not trying to exploit anybody. I'm just trying to tell a story. Uh, I'm not trying to get anything for myself other than the enjoyment from which I get from it. That's it, mate. That it genuinely is it. I mean, I, I apologize if that was a little bit long-winded and, and boring, That's, but uh, it, ha it has, has been very complicated and it's been very weird, uh, a weird journey. And um, I, I certainly, uh, it's certainly a tale to tell. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I've not even got into the weirdness of actually being in gyms and, you know, boxing gyms and 
you know, the things that you see. There's a lot of stuff I can't talk about because you can't, you know, uh, you have to, it, it, that's the other thing. Gyms are competitive between each other. And you walk into a gym and they go, oh, does so-and-so train like this? And you go, guys, I really can't tell you um, because I can't betray the trust of that gym. Because it, just as easily as you can get in, uh, you can very easily fall out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are... They are very trusting, but you betray that trust for just once, and 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 and, and you're out. Um, and it's it, I've seen it happen. It's 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 very quick. So that's what I mean. You know, you you you've got to be honest and you've got to be truthful, and that goes into the work as well. You know, if you if you do something that's disingenuous, I've I've seen it with other with other photographers, unfortunately, and uh, not naming any names, but they uh, you know they, they do something that's slightly disingenuous or something that's a bit selfish, and people go, do you know what? I don't want to bother with you. Mm. So that's it. I'm as honest and as uh, open and as upfront as I am with, as I can be with everybody. And thankfully I'm very, very grateful for the amount of access that I get with these guys. And, and I get a fair, fair amount of access. Yeah. Um, yeah I've seen a lot of photos. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's <laughs> it. Um, that's re That's really it. Um, there, there are a couple of more insane things that have, that have happened along the way, but ultimately I'm out there just taking shots of fighters and trying to tell their story as much as possible um, because it's not about me. It's about them and the remarkable things that they do and why they do it. You know, why, why these guys are, you know, are, are fighting. So this For me, is, that's, that's fascinating. 100%. And, and this is that's an amazing story, first of all. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't know any of this really before I started the podcast with you. Oh, right, okay. Anything about the music or anything like that. And that was, it was really amazing to, to hear the, the progression. Um, and there's a few things that you mentioned a couple of times on, on during the story. Um, obviously, mm. the, obviously, you're going 100% uh, all in on everything. Uh, don't ever do something sort of half-assed. And then if you do, then that's the time to leave it. And that was, that was very cool. Yeah. That's something I try and... Yeah, I try and go for as well um, because I've, I've always, I mean, I've done this podcast now for three years. So it's, it's something that you think about and you go up and down and, and you have these days where you're like, okay, maybe I'm not putting 100% effort in and, I, and you're thinking about stopping it or you're thinking about like, maybe I've just got too, too much stuff going on. Maybe I don't want to do it anymore. But then you're, you're like, oh, actually, I, I do want to do it. Let's, let's get back on it. And I've had that just recently and then I've scheduled another five episodes so to sort of this week, next week. And you really do put 100% back into it when you, when you think about it, um, something that you love and something think, you want to keep going. Yeah, you get days where it, you, your motivation sort of dips. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's natural. And I think when I find my motivation dipping, then I, I'm pretty good at acknowledging that and saying, right, I need a break. Mm. I need a break or I need to do something that's going to re-inject some uh, motivation back into it. Yeah. And some, yeah. sometimes that's intentional and sometimes that's unintentional. But uh, I mean, I had a break. Uh, I had a sort of a what, three weeks off over Christmas where, you know, I wasn't sort of going to gym. I was burnt out, you know, and I knew I could recognize that I was burnt out. There's only so many hours in the day. I've got kids for crying out loud. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I've got to go to the gym. I've got a full time job. Uh, I've got gigs to play. Um, and then I'm sort of driving half an hour to a gym up in, you know, in the, in the top of the uh, top of the Gwent Valley or, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, it's on some rainy night and it's freezing and I'm, I'm huddled in some, some gym in Blackwood, you know, and you, you say, well, what are you doing? And then I say, well, if I feel like that, then it's time to have a bit of a break. And I say, guys, I'm out. 
uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm. You know, you, you, you got to protect your sanity sometimes. And if you, I think, if you feel that feel that way, then I think it's okay to step away or step back. Um, but then, but never give up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If you've committed, to, if you've committed to it, then then I think there's always something to be found. Or diversify slightly. You know, change change the angle. You know, um, uh, do something different. You know, so. I decided that I would um, I've engaged uh, a mate of mine's an author um, and he's decided and very kindly uh, offered me a, a, he's written a load of short stories and he wanted me to contribute some pictures to that short story nice. so that's completely out of my comfort that's what I was going to say doing something that gets you out of your comfort zone you have to do that because that's there's a, there's a stupid meme. It's a diagram they show you in CrossFit. Uh, you see this one. You have a circle, which is your comfort zone. And then the arrow is here. And it says, this is where the magic happens. Uh, it's, yeah. And it's so true. Yeah, it's so yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I'll quickly, just a quick, I've got a good story about that. Go for it. I, I, was, um, I was shooting the shows. I was going to the gym. I was just doing the same thing over and over again. And I was thinking, my pictures are starting to look all the same. I need to do something out of my comfort zone. So what do I really want to do? I want to do sports i want to do those cool sports portraits and at cage warriors i met ufc fighter brett johns who at the time was active in the ufc he's got the one of the fastest submissions in ufc history with a calf slicer over joe soto right and i met him at cage warriors and i said i said to him you're really into football aren't you and he said yeah 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 he's a massive swans fan yeah you being a swans fan i'm sure you know this right i love him <laughs> huh? i love the guy I love brett johns yeah yeah, he's a he's a he's a character. So I thought, hmm, what could I do? Well, if he's a Swans fan, so I emailed the Liberty Stadium, and I said to them, "Look, Brett Johns, would I be able to come down and do a photo shoot?" I just threw it out there as a punt. I didn't even know what I was doing, right? And they went, "Yeah, no problem." I went, so "What?" You organized that? Yeah. Man, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, and I, I just threw it out there as a punt, and they went, yeah, I'd love to have him down, bring That's him down, is. arrange the date. I took the afternoon off work. I went down there. Don't tell Brett this. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I, didn't even know, I didn't even know how my flash worked. I'd never done any sort of uh, flash work or anything like that. I just watched as many videos as I could, figured out how it worked, did a couple of tests with the kids in the garden with an umbrella, and I went up the Liberty Stadium. Um, I would say about of the shots I took, I, there is two particular shots that I'm really pleased with. And for me, that was worth it. But that was, and driving there, I was shitting myself, right? Since then, Brett and I have, you know, I'd like, I'd like to think we've got a pretty good relationship. Uh, I see him quite a lot now. He's, he's, he's kind of moved gyms and uh, he's, uh, he's back in active duty after all his injuries. Um, and, uh, that, and that really... It was terrifying and engaging. And I said, I need to learn how to do this more. And that re-motivated me. Mm. So I think it's really important sometimes if you want to look in for that thing to get you back into it, it's getting out of your comfort zone. I think yeah. that's essential. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's exactly yeah, something I've, I've tried recently as well. I've been, um, I got into a charity boxing event um, for oh, cool. cancer research. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is another reason why I wanted to chat with you because obviously being creative and also oh, right. I've, I've become a really good big fan of uh, sort of UFC and fighting recently uh, over the last year and a half. Amazing. Or so. 
so yeah, it's 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 pretty cool to chat to someone else who's got that interest in, in the creative scene. But yeah, um, oh for sure. So uh, so what are you training for the? You're doing a white collar, are you? Yeah, so it's a white collar white collar boxing event, but it's just been cancelled. It's meant to be uh, meant to be Saturday, but it got cancelled on on Monday. Oh mate, uh, so how's the training eight, been going? Oh amazing, absolutely. Amazing. It's one of the fittest I've ever been. Uh, I've, I've, amazing. Like, my goal it sounds like it's gonna be really self indulgent now, but my my no, goal has no, always no. sort of been to have a six pack, and I, I'm nearly there. I can see it in the mirror, <laughs> um, but I, I have lost quite a lot of muscle around the arms and shoulders, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, but not so much the shoulders because yeah, you will punching, do. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I need yeah, to put that do. back on whilst uh, whilst training for the next fight. But, um, but yeah, so we get we get there, we get it, we get it all the eight weeks again. But it's it's been it's been amazing to learn something new. Um, and really, really test myself. This has been probably the biggest test in my life. Um, and yeah, there's there's no challenge harder than than putting yourself in that position yeah. where you've got to fight another man. Mm. Um, and it's um, uh, was it Joe Rogan calls it? Uh, he calls mixed martial arts uh, extreme problem solving with dire consequences. Yeah, yeah, he said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great way yeah. of saying it. And I, I, there's no way better way of um, there's no be- better way of describing it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. It's, once you get over the fear, and once you get over the pain, I mean, it's it's painful, you know, being punched. Yeah. Um, once you get over that, then it's like, how do I unpick this puzzle? And that's endless. It, mm. it is endless. But unfortunately, it's not an old man's game. And <laughs> I'm just too old for that. I'm just not quick enough. Well, that's the pro- the problem solving is really interesting because I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to realise. Um, in my, you know, you know, we get to the point where you're feeling confident enough, where you, your brain sort of figures out something as a little step ahead. So you see someone's shoulder move for for a, a punch, and then you're doing the opposite to sort of counter it yeah. as they're moving yeah. their shoulder, not even before they've thrown it. So it's really interesting to see how how it's developing, and um, and the scared, the scared, being scared of being punched in the face has has gone as well now because. Um, for some stupid reason, I joined a, a boxing gym in in London, uh, which was the worst. Yeah. Idea, but. Uh, it just just to just to get a few extra personal training sessions and then they, they put me up against um this guy who's had a fight uh to try and bring me up to speed before before saturday and i got completely destroyed um yep. I, got, I got literally beaten up for the first time in my life uh, i had actually yep. on my instagram the, the picture i posted me holding that brett john's poster that he, he kindly signed for me the illustration i did of him um yeah see in that i've got a, I got a black eye uh and it's, uh, it's a nasty I'll have to go one. look at that yeah yeah it's a nasty one um but my, my nose is all, all bruised and horrible as well. It's just about recovered. I mean, it's still wobbling and it still hurts a little bit. But anyway, long story short. Uh, no, no, that, no, 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 no. But the, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a normal thing. Um, yeah. And that's, those lesson, are the things right? that... It's it, a learning absolutely. So, so that was, was that the first time you sparred or...? Uh, second, but first time properly, yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you about the first time I ever sparred, right? I've had fights, you know, but nothing serious. Um, but... Um, the first time I sparred uh, was a guy called Dan Butler. Shout mm. out Dan Butler, um, and uh, he's still he's, he's a local amateur still. Um, Dan was 16 years old, right? And I was oh shit, I must have been 38, right. 37, 38. So you know, there's a big age gap, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a size difference. Um, and when we get together, it's the same story I tell every time. The only three two-minute rounds right so you've got to understand i was pretty fit at the time i mean like i was very very fit doing a lot of crossfit a lot of lifting a lot of sort of strong and i was extremely fit much fitter than dan but i'd never sparred before 
Mm. And I remember, I remember thinking, right, just jab, just jab, just jab. I'm just going to just move around him, just jab. I've got it on video. It's hilarious, right? <laughs> After 30 seconds, I thought to myself, I could smell bone burning, right? I could, I could hear the heart hammering in my chest. I don't think it hit me once. And I looked at the clock and thought, we must have been going for about an hour. We've been going for 30 seconds. You know, 30 seconds we'd been going for. And I thought, this is crazy, right? And he actually stopped me in the third round. I, I, I literally, I mean, he, I had a bloody nose and everything. Mm. He cracked me pretty hard. Uh, and I was within, I don't know, five, must have been within about 20 seconds of the, of, you know, the third round. Only three two-minute rounds, right? I could train for, for an hour, right? But three two-minute rounds, I thought I was going to die. Mm. Just, just the adrenaline, the fear, the, um, the lack of oxygen, the, the, the lactic acid in the shoulders, yeah, yeah. Um, all of that stuff. And um, yeah, and it was a real humbling moment because the, Dan was almost disappointed. You know, he was like, oh, should I go warm down then? Should I go and do something? Yeah, do some bag work, you know? And Steve was looking at me and just going, it's not really your sport, this, is it? <laughs> do you know how humiliating that is when one of your idols goes, yeah, it's not really your sport, man. Yeah. But I was determined. I was determined to be able to flip in, just to at least be able to look like I know what I'm doing. And 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 that's the thing. It doesn't matter. You know, you walk into a gym, nobody judges you. There's this kind of weird thing about boxing gyms, isn't it? And you know, you now know this. There's a smell. There's a sound. There's a there's a color. There's a noise. There's the way that people talk to one another is completely different to any other place in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's an amazingly scary place, but it's also an, it's a wonderful place, and I love it. And 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 I want yeah, going back to so I'm talking about myself again. Uh, going back to so that's that's what I kind of want to show is this this kind of the amazing thing that these guys do. And you've had a piece of that. You've seen that. You understand that. You know. You understand how you've you've had that sort of sense of how incredibly difficult it is. And there's levels to this game. There's absolute levels to this game. And when you get past the, see, Steve always used to say to me, there's um, novice, amateur, um, no, as you say, yeah, novice, amateur, pro, and elite, yeah? And I was below novice, you know? Right, right. And that was like, do you know what I mean? So you think, Christ, what does it take like to even just get to pro? You know, yeah. what, you know what, what do you have to actually do? Well, one of the things you've got to be able to do is fight. That's the one thing. You've got, to, you've got to love being punched in the face. And there's very few human beings that don't have a startle reflex when they get punched in the face. Um, and that, I find that amazing. I just find that amazing. These guys just conditioned themselves to do that. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Well, one thing I, th- I thought when well, after that night is, um, that's probably, the, if I'm being totally honest, it's probably the lowest I've ever felt. Um, yeah, coming, it, coming you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. After being beaten up for the first time, it's definitely an experience. I think it's it was good to go through it. To be honest, I actually saw the guy um, a week later. Uh, yeah, and, and I said I needed that to him in a weird, yeah. sadistic way. Sort of, uh, I was like, "Thank you." I, was, uh, I now know that I'm not going to do boxing as a career. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I sort of I needed it as a bit of a humbling as well. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway. Yeah, so that's it's good to get into out of your comfort zone. That's the whole point of that story. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, 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 it's really absolutely. important. Um, what did you What did you mean about uh, the ten thousand hours being bullshit? Well, because um, 
you can do uh, you can do things over and over again and not get any better at it. Oh, it's a deliberate um, practice. I right, don't. Got it. It's the, there's a difference between yeah practice and de deliberate practice. It's the quality mm -hmm. of the practice that matters, not the amount of practice. It well, it's quality plus quantity in my mind. Yeah, 100%, if you 100%. if if I if yeah if I do ten thousand reps of something, but they're shit reps, I've no, got no benefit. But if I do ten thousand reps of something and they're good reps, then I get the right benefit from it. So yeah. that, that uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I meant by that. Yeah, if, if anything, if you're doing the bad reps, you're, you're getting worse and worse. <laughs> you're just learning precisely. That. Yeah, no. you're doing you're reinforcing bad habits all the time. And to bring that back to, to design or photography or creativity is um, you know, the way I, I do it is looking at other people's work and, and picking certain bits. And I, I don't know, say uh, you're designing, um, uh, doing an illustration and, you, and you're picking up yeah. uh, certain techniques of other illustrators and putting them into your own work and trying to learn. And, and rather than just doing your own style or trying to do the same same sort of thing, you're, you're picking and learning and choosing what to, to express on and evolve. Yeah, I, and pick, picking up on that point, I got a, I got a, so I, I got a, a huge website launch next week, right? Like mm -hmm. massive, like probably the biggest one I've ever done, right? Um, and um, uh, what was I going with this? What did you just say? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm quite relaxed about that um, thing, um, and that maybe that's that's age, um, but you know that thing about all art is plagiarism, right? Mm -hmm. There's nobody in this world who is 100% original. Every single originator got their ideas from somewhere and tweaked it and made it their own. Um, if you look at every innovator in design or if you look at any innovator in music, yeah, they will always have their influences. So it's the same for me, just as you were just saying there. I was, just, I was thinking exactly the same thing. You know, If I'm looking at a design project, well, this website that I've got coming live, I've got a new project that I'm starting to design work on tomorrow, believe it or not. Um, and uh, I am not going to be sitting there with it. Well, I will be with a pen and paper, but I'm going to be sitting there looking at uh, websites like Dribble and looking uh, at various different bits and pieces to get ideas, to get the spark of inspiration. So it's not that you, yeah, you're going to mimic some things, you're going to recreate some things inadvertently, but it came from you because you're taking a bit of this from there and a bit of this from there and making something your own. And I think that's absolutely right. I don't think there's any problem with that whatsoever. In fact, I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Do you mind just putting your mic microphone away from your shirt a bit? Oh, sorry. sorry. Just holding it around right in front. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, dude. That's all right. Well, I should have said that earlier on. We're like, we're oh, no. <laughs> get out oh, Dude, you should have... <laughs> oh man you should have said i'm getting all animated and then no i'm sorry no that's <sighs> my completely my fault that um i was just i was just listening to the story and, and it only just occurred to me really uh but anyway uh yeah so that's that's yeah that's another good point so we got well, so i remember some notes yeah looking for opportunity as well that was the other thing that i picked up on from from story as well um like i said going going and just just asking people if you can work for them and and like like the Swansea thing is a great example of that. If you hadn't had emailed them, you wouldn't be at that uh, next stage. It's taking the, the, your artwork and your, your photography to the next level, really, by by doing that. And I'm sure you got tons of Swansea fans sending you messages about it, or uh, or like. Well, you must have been noticed. yeah, Joe's. 
So one of the things I, I, I don't know if this is a, a Gary Lockett's got two boxers that are from Swansea, Jay Harris yep. and Chris Jenkins. Um, and after I sort of connected with the guys at Swansea uh, in you know, the, the, the marketing and media department, I'd kind of sort of chuck them an email every now and again, kind of saying, there's got to be some synergy between your club and what these fighters are doing. They need the exposure. Look, it's not my flipping place to do that, but I just thought, <laughs> yeah. you know, you develop these relationships. You, you just kind of, you've got to cultivate them to a degree. Mm. And I, um, I uh, kind of badgered and badgered and badgered and then got to a point where they started to, started to sort of say, oh, do you know what? Uh, Jay Harris got a world title shot and he fought for the world title end of February in texas um and then chris uh won the commonwealth and did he win the european as well yeah he's got the european title as well um they started to take notice then because they are high profile so went to the club with jay was it jay no it was with chris it was hilarious they got him out at the beginning of the uh the game and waving at the fans and all that kind of stuff and it was brilliant but I also, I went to see the head of Mark and said, any chance I could get out of the pitch? Because I knew Brett is always with the fans mm. in the, um, uh, in, in what they call the Jack Corner. Um, so he said, oh, I said, go on. I said, yeah, I'm only going to pop up to the stands and just take some pictures with him and his mates. But, oh, all right. Is it, look, here's a bib. Go out. And, um, you know, I, you get to know people. So uh, as I was walking to the middle of the game, you know, Wayne Rooney's on the pitch, right? So I'm trying to get my <laughs> lens long enough to take pictures of Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm walking down and people are kind of like, I am eight and giving me a high five as I'm walking past. They had no idea who I was, but in my mind, I'm thinking, God, I'm famous. Um, <laughs> but then people were sort of stopping me and getting me to take pictures of them. And I said, they're just me a shout on sash shots. And they, and then they ended up doing that. Like, like giving me a shout. And saying, Did you get that picture of me and my boy? Yeah, of course there is. Like, um, yeah, and those are the sort of things which are great. But mm. I suppose ultimately, um, the dream is still there. It's to tell the story from the training room to the performance ground. And, and weirdly, that's endless, you know, mm. because these fighters are either, either winning or losing. And, and that is an endless story. The other thing I'm really interested in and this is what kind of I wait, uh, you know, first thing in the morning, like I'm, I'm driving to work or whatever, I'm think, I'm just thinking about things. And it's, I'm really interested in father and son stories. Weirdly, I don't know how, why boxing particularly, there's a lot of fathers and sons boxing. And I think that's a really interesting angle that I don't think anybody's really explored. Um, in Wales alone, there's uh, four that I can think of straight off the top of my head of fathers and sons that are in boxing and martial arts you know at, at a professional and a very very high level mm. um and that you know that and that's another idea that i'm i i want to explore i want to explore there's there's this lots and that's what i'm saying you know it, it, it's you you've got to do that thing that gives you that buzz that makes you go oh that's really great that's this for me playing music too with my mate but but this is too this and it, this yeah. is what this is what gets me up in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fantastic. 
yeah and and how important is it to have that how important is it to have like a, a goal even just in not just in life in general now because having having something that you, you do want to wake up for um how, how i don't know because you see a lot of i'm sure you know people that don't have that or don't have this this thing and they're probably the ones that are moaning a bit more and probably ones that are down and i just i just think it's so important I think it's, it's it's incredibly important i mean what's the point of living if you're just coasting through life um i i had the benefit of some really remarkable people in my family. I've not really talked about my family, but I had some in, in growing up, I, I've got some really quite remarkable people in my family. Um, and I always felt like I was in their shadow, but one of the things that they, I always feel very keenly is a sense of, um, look, if, if the, this little journey that we're on called life, right? This little journey we're on is finite. It's, it's only a matter of years. Um, we're only here for a short time. Why not fill it with all the things that give you as much joy as possible? Now, you might not be lucky enough to have that inspiration to, to do that thing, but I think everybody has that, what's the word? Everybody's got that novel in them. Everybody's got that, um, there's something that gets them up and it doesn't have to be creative. Not everybody is born that way. Not everybody. I've got a mate of mine who is the least creative, traditionally creative person. I know he's an engineer. He loves to build things. So he's built a house at the bottom of his garden with his own hands. I mean, yes, that's creative in a different way, you know, that, um, uh, but I've also got mates who they get up, they go to work, they come home, they watch TV, they go to bed they go to the pub and that's their life and if that's the way you want to live your life i've i'm not there's no judgment mm. but i can't do that i've got there's something in me i need to make something i need to create something it's something i say to my kids all the time you're either a consumer or a creator right i don't like being a consumer i mean don't get me wrong i, I like watching films and i like looking at you know other people's work but why just be a consumer when you can also create your own stuff? And, and here's a, like a last point on that, right? This is something that I really firmly believe, right? If you don't take any pleasure in the process, then there's no point. And I think that's part of the problem. For me, the actual creation of something, the, the, the physical action of creating something is far more enjoyable than the end product. I'm, I never, ever go back through my work and look at it with pride. As far as I'm, it's far as I'm done is I've created the pot. I've created the pot. You might as well smash it because the joy was in the creation of the pot. If somebody else takes joy in that, somebody else likes that. Cool. Have it. Yeah. Here's your pot. Here's your pot. If you want to pay for it? Fine. Pay for it. But what I got enjoyment out of it was creating it. It's going back to way back to what I was talking about with the music. The thing that I enjoy more than anything is the creation of the music, working collaboratively with, collaboratively with my best mate, right? The actual performance of the music, meh. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But that's not what gets me up in the morning. What gets me really excited is when he messages me and goes, have you heard this song? And I go, nah, what is it? And he goes, it's this cool song. What I reckon is it worked really well if we smashed it into this song. Then suddenly, oh, you, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. It's the process. And if you don't love the process, and the work then you'll never produce anything that's truly from the heart i think you just 
creating. Unless you're uber talented, and those are the horrible people who just do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, I got. I got a mate. I go got. I was just say. I got, I've got a mate in work, right? And I hate him because he's so talented. He's just so talented, and it comes to him naturally. Jealousy right? is the devil. Can't do this. Huh? You can't be like this. Jealousy is the devil. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a happy jealousy. It's not a, it's not a mean jealousy. It's a kind of like, I'm not built. I acknowledge I'm not built that way. Uh, I have to work at it, but I get there eventually, and I enjoy, and, and I've learned to love the work for the process of it, and I, and I work very, very hard, and that's the way I was brought up. And if you don't listen, it's not all about work. And if it feels like work, then you shouldn't be doing it. It never feels like work for me. It feels like this is what I should be doing. Yeah. And when it does feel like work, going back to what we're talking about, that's when I step away. Yeah, that's yeah. when I step away. I think what about you? I mean, do you, do you, when you approach your design work, I mean, do you feel the same way about when you've created something? Do you kind of step away from it and I'm done with that now? Depends. It depends. In some examples, yeah, but I mean that's probably the ones that I'm not too proud of. <laughs> They're probably the ah. sort of lesser lesser designs. Um, so a lot of stuff I just did for Instagram, just practice stuff I just put out there. And I think a lot of designers like this. They, we've got a strange habit at the moment of creating stuff for Instagram, and that's the stuff people are like, "Yeah, fuck it, we'll just check it on Instagram." <laughs> uh, yeah, and leave it. Um, but there's other stuff like the Brett Johns poster where I contacted him and got him to sign it, and and it's been more more that's a little bit more of a story now and now i've become a big fan of him and now i've been following his story and now i follow followed you because of him and um oh right chatting, chatting with you because of him because i've seen you take photos of him and uh and now he's now he's his team's asked me to to do a few more illustrations for for the gym when they open it oh so it's like it's like wow that's 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 amazing and that's the bit i'm proud of like you say this is more of the process sort of thing um that you become proud of but they Looking at that, Brett, I've got it up here. Um, I don't know if I can swing your laptop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, show, show, show me, show me, show me, show me. Take it off the wall. Oh, that's massive. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> uh, I didn't realise that was you, mate. That's wicked. Yeah, it's me. Uh, it's not me, it's Brett. But yeah, it's... No, obviously, it's, yeah, yeah, you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, so like, when I look at that, I'm thinking, uh, it's, not, it's not really... It's more of a symbolisation of what the process was, right? So the, the yeah, poster I, symbolizes I, yeah. what the process is. So I wouldn't want to throw it away. Like that's the sort of thing. Um, and there's loads of things around me that, I, that remind me of things that uh, lessons, I guess. Um, for example, big another MMA. Oh, just on the floor. Another MMA, MMA example. There's a little Dan Hardy, Hardy action figure. Um, oh man, what a legend Dan Hardy is. Yeah, exactly. Because I've I've taken I've taken lessons from him, and I've, I've taken like things from my childhood, like little 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 uh bobbleheads sort of um yeah, 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 stars, yeah footballers and stuff like yeah. that it's just surrounding myself with uh, little memories of, of where i used to be and this one i'm gonna do an instagram post about it and this one was the first one of the first things i ever did um for i used to be a big cricket fan um uh, and i used to go and watch a lot of surrey cricket games that's where i'm based and i did like a little playing card set i created my own playing card set and got all the team to sign oh it. how cool yeah, and cool. I did a magazine and everything like that, and it was all. I look. I found this the other day up in my wardrobe, and thinking I've come such a long way. And this was only, I don't know, twenty. I probably 
what's it, 2020 now, I don't know, five, six years ago. And like, I've come that far in five, six years now working at like, I'm working at a professional football club right now. And it's, and every, everything just put in, is in, in a bit of a perspective and it's an amazing journey um, that you can go on in such a short amount of time. And that's been reinforced by the boxing as well. Like if you look back at the, the uh, Instagram highlight, I've got a terrible video of me trying to punch a bag at the start. And then eight <laughs> weeks later, as I've progressed, there's a lot more, I've learned a bit more technique. I've learned to sort of swing my hips a bit more. And it's so, so interesting to see, to see the progression of things. And that's, that's what I like about it all. Um, the progression, like you say, the process, yeah. The process, but we're also the sum of our experiences, aren't we? And mm. it's important to have those way markers um, that, uh, that it is important to take stock and go, so, um, right, Nige, I keep referring to Nige because he's, he's, I call him my second wife. I, I've known him for probably as long as I've known my wife. And that's a very, very long time. It's 25 years. But uh, we have um, a, uh, a little saying between the two of us. It's that, that how did we get here? And it's the, the stop, the, 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 the stand back and take stock. Um, I've not said this bit yet, but last year, last September, thanks to him, I was gifted the most amazing opportunity um, ever f from somebody in my position. And that was to spend some time with actual USC fighters in uh, uh, an elite top tier gym in San Diego. Mm. Um, and that's on my Instagram. If, if you have to scroll down, right down to the bottom, but um, uh, back to yeah, June, July, 2019. But that's because of Nigel's job. Um, Nigel's job takes him all over the world, and he his company had a uh, strategy week in San Diego, and he said, "Look, I play in a band. It'll be just as cheap, in fact, not cheaper. If I can fly my mate out, he can stay in a hotel room with me." And um, uh, for a week and we'll do the gig and, and you know and he's really good with his camera he can take pictures and all this kind of stuff and they went yeah all right so as soon as i knew that it was happening i literally um there's dan hardy for example um i messaged dan hardy who i know through cage warriors well i say no i mean <laughs> I, I've, I've met him a few times through cage warriors and we've had you know a few sit down chats and he very kindly reached out to a number of gyms for me who gave me details. So by the time I landed in San Diego, oh, I did the whole, whole week arranged. And one of the weirdest ones, um, do you know who, uh, well, nobody, people who don't, uh, aren't interested in UFC or anything like that would think, what are you talking about? But I spent the whole afternoon with Chris Lieben, uh, Chris the Crippler Lieben. Um, I'm a bit before who, my time. I'm trying to get into yeah, it. Now. Yeah, yeah. So he, I don't know if you know the Ultimate Fight the reality series. He was he was on the very first uh, first season of that. Um, he's very very famous. Um, in fact, you'll see a picture if you look on my Facebook sash shots. There's it's on the front cover. There's a picture of him. Uh, he's into he's into bare knuckle boxing now. But when I I mean talk about being starstruck when I walked into the gym, uh, I saw his coach Chuck, <clears throat> and I said, listen, I've I've, I've had an email. The conversation with Chris he said it's okay for me to come and shoot for the day and he went I said is he here and he went yeah yeah he's over there and he was in one of the there's two boxing rings on these big elevated platforms and there was Chris shadow boxing uh with his shirt off and if if, if you know who Chris Lieben is he's very he's got very distinctive tattoos right um he's only a few years younger than me now but I mean what a guy oh and that was I said I got back to the hotel and uh, Nigel said to me where you been 
I said, you're not going to believe where I've just been, mate. Because Nigel's just as much into the UFC as I am. And I got my camera out and I went, look who this is. And he went, that's Chris Lieben. And we both stood on the balcony of our hotel room and just went, how did we get here? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's just one of those, um, it's important sometimes that, yes, there's an element of luck. Yes, there's an element of happenstance. But that doesn't happen unless you put yourself out there. You take the risks. And just like yourself, you know, with the, with the white collar, you're going to meet people. You're going to make friends. I hope that if, when your bout actually happens, you continue, you continue to box, not necessarily to fight, but to train. Because that's another journey. That's another avenue. That's another thing. And if you always stay in your lane, if you always, that thing, isn't it? If you always do what you always done you get what you always got sometimes you've just got to go i'm going to try different something different just quick aside uh, my uh, when i was going through my midlife crisis i saw i read danny wallace's book the yes man right which is a jim carrey thing it's about basically a guy who says yes to everything so i basically started doing that i tried it i tried it for six months i said yes to everything um it didn't quite work out the way I was hoping to. I ended up with a dog. I ended up doing things that... Uh, <laughs> right. Sorry. Uh, I ended up doing things... Yeah. I really, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh that much. It just really no, surprised me. Yeah, yeah. I ended up with a dog I wasn't expecting. I ended up with you right. know, doing all sorts of stupid shit that I, I would have normally done. If somebody said, oh, do you want to do this? I go, oh, yeah. But it's a good exercise because we're very often given and unfortunately we're talking like this given at a time where this country is in complete lockdown it's very difficult mm. to say yes to anything which is very sad yeah but we you know very often we, we want to live we're within our comfort zones and if somebody says do you want to come out and do this do you want to go here and do that and you go nah but deep down there's a little bit inside you they go but imagine the story that i said to my wife no i say yes what's the worst that can happen you know and the worst that can happen i'll have an amazing story to tell and that's happened so many times, so many times, you know. Um, yeah, I can't say any more than that, really, mate. It's, 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 it's just an endless journey of self-discovery and it never stops, you know. And, and I, I know my, I know my, uh, uh, I'm not going to be doing this forever. I can't, you know, I physically can't. I'm, you know, something, something will have to sort of give at some point. I'll have to stop playing music at some point. I'll have to, you know, although photography I could do for, for a long time. But I don't do it for monetary gain, and I, and, I, and I certainly only do it just to scratch that creative itch and just be as good as I can. That's it. Uh, That's it. This, has been, this has been an amazing conversation. I've, I really didn't expect it like, to turn out like this, and um, it's, been, it's, been, uh, yeah, it's been a real, real pleasure to do this with you. Um, uh, listen, mate, I, I super, super appreciate you reach out and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and speak to me. And, and listen, if anybody is... Uh, uh, inspired or listening or wants to know more, just hit me up, man. I'm happy, happy to talk. And you want to meet me for a cup of coffee? Do it, man. Nice. And uh, genuinely, I tell you what, you really should get uh, Nigel on here with me and we can talk about uh, SNM because if you want some stupid gigging stories and, Let's do it. And, uh, and, 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 and talk about creativity, and he loves to talk about himself even more than I do. <laughs> so uh, uh, he'd, lo he'd love it. If you want to get the two of us on and, and, and talk about um, S&M, don't Google us because if you Google S&M, you won't find us. You'll just find all sorts of weird shit on the internet. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely do that. Uh, maybe I'll come down to Cardiff and uh, we'll do it in person. We'll get like crisp audio. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. do that. That'd be awesome. 
I'll have a couple of beers or something as well. That'd be nice. Yeah, for you, sure. You say you don't drink. Yeah, man. I don't drink, but that's fine. I can happily watch you. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, okay. Well, I've got. It's not the poker class isn't quite over yet. If you've, if you've still got 15 minutes, I've got a couple of questions. Go, go, go uh, for it. So I'm just bringing that up. Where is he? So we've got a question from uh, Rob Oldfield. Uh, people are listening, starting to listen to questions now. Hang on. People are actually asking questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Go on in. Uh, so this is one from... I thought it was just you and me. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is. Apart from... Uh, I'm trying to get to all of that. I'm trying to interact with the audience a bit more. And so I asked Rob to, to give a question. Um, uh-huh. So we've got one here. And it ties in. So, so at the end of the, these podcasts, we go quite deep with the guests and we get a bit more... Um, well, we've been quite a deep podcast yeah, go anyway. But anyway... Hello, Sash Shots. This is Rob, and my question for you is: um, I've seen that you've done a lot of photography in terms of like boxing and MMA. What would be the biggest event, past or present, that you would have liked to photograph? There you go. That's the first question. So, uh, what was the biggest event, uh, past or uh, present, that you would like to photograph? Oh man, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um... Um, I would have loved to have been that guy, I've forgotten his name now, who was in Zaya at the Rumble of the Jungle, um, uh, Ali Foreman. That would have been amazing. Can you imagine with Ali walking down, uh, Ali walking down the street with all the, all the kids chasing him and, you know, he's, he's shadow boxing and getting those pictures, telling the story, you know, with Don King walking them all out. Oh, that would have been, that would have been fabulous from a boxing point of view. From an MMA point of view, there's way too many. Oh my gosh. Do you know the the one that really sticks out for me though, straight off the bat, I think would have to be I'm a massive fan of Michael Bisping. Mm. Uh, the UFC fighter from yeah. um Clitheroe, Manchester Way. Um and I would have loved to have shot that UFC show where he fought Anderson Silva. Because I think that was in London. And that was a hell of a fight. That was a hell of a fight. I was shout screaming at the TV. Or um, what else? What else would be a good show? I, I think any sort of massive event that's got a huge story attached to it. That's why I said the Rumble in the Jungle, because there was a massive backstory to it. And there was a huge cultural impact. And for me, it's not just about shooting the show. It's about shooting what's around the show as well. Every, and I, I, I might not come across in my Instagram, um, but for every show that I do, I try and get a load of backstage stuff. You know, shots, you know, of people doing things, shots of, nice, yeah. you know, the arena, shots of people doing, you know, the, the people at the bar, kind of like street photography at a fight. So that's a great question, actually. I think I'd probably go with those two, actually. I think Michael Bisping and Anderson Silva, only because of the story attached to it and everyone expected him to lose. Um, and a massive Bisping fan, uh, uh, fan, just from a photographic point of view, because there was lots of blood. Yeah. Um, um, and it would have been really dynamic. Um, and I think as well, um, yeah, Ali Foreman, for sure. That's, uh, that's one of the things is getting, um, especially in, in, in fighting and, and combat sports, photographing that is the emotion you capture and i think that's like you say part of the story is telling the story the amount of emotion that's in that one picture and then the next shot's completely different like i said earlier on it's it's, it's so so interesting to see and that's why i like um following you it's because you don't 
on the Instagram feed, you get this, this image which tells a, literally a thousand, a thousand words. Um, oh, that's a really huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, somebody actually, funny enough, I posted um, uh, a series of pictures from um, Saturday, uh, where there was a boxing show on Saturday. And it was a tough one for me um, um, because I was really unhappy with the pictures that came out um, just because the light was terrible in there. Um, but somebody posted, um, oh, I, I love the storytelling in this picture. And for me, you couldn't have given me any bigger compliment. So I really appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. It's all right. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> uh, this is true. It's just, yeah, we're compliments are compliments due, you know. Um, so the next Thank question you. is, uh, do, you, do, you have any, uh, do you have any life advice? Do you have any one tip that you would give out to a younger person? Um, do you know, it's funny you should say that, right? So when my kid was, oh, kid, I've got two of them. So uh, my eldest was, uh, he was in primary school, I think. They were doing a project. And it was one of those things where they go, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self, what, give yourself one piece of advice, what yeah. would it be? Um, and I chewed on this for a long, long period of time, right? And I, and I, and I, and I actually got a response to him, but by which time it was hilarious because uh, we were in the car and I, uh, it must have been about a month later because I'd really thought long <laughs> and hard about it. Yeah. Because you want to say things like, um, I don't know, uh, oh, I can't say that's too rude. Um, you want to say things like, um, you know, uh, I, you know, always brush your teeth or, or, you know, something glib, you know, something really glib like, you know, shoot for the stars, be passionate. Um, and then I said to him, you know, I've been thinking about it and, uh, and, I've, and I've come up with an answer. And he went, it's all right. I've already written it now, mate, uh, dad. So uh, <laughs> I'm not bothered anymore. Yeah, yeah. But my one piece of advice to any young person is to be brave. Because when I was younger, I wasn't brave. And I was too afraid to take risks. And risks out of your comfort zone is where the magic happens. We say it time and time again. And I think, wow, how much different my life would be if I'd taken risks when I was, when I was, you know, when I was brave. Because I wasn't brave enough to go to London and become a session musician, even though I was good enough, and I never did it. Who knows where I would have been? I certainly wouldn't have. I certainly wouldn't have settled down with my current wife, and obviously my life is where it is. You know, if 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 there's a number of points in my life where I go, damn it, I wasn't brave, which is why now I think, fuck it, be brave. And that's my, that's my single piece of advice. Top advice. I like that a lot. That's very good. It's an important question, so I'm glad you thought about it and, and gave a good answer. That's, that's nice. Yeah, uh, listen, if you'd asked me on the, on the hoof and I hadn't thought about it, then uh, then I would have been floundering and going, oh, I don't bloody know. But actually, my, 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 my eldest son, when he was quite young, asked me that question. And I thought about it for a really, really long time. And I think it's really important. Obviously, it's things like life lessons, like be honest, be truthful, yeah. um, work hard, all that kind of stuff. I mean, be honest and be truthful with yourself as well. That's really important. But I think be brave because if you're brave, something magical will happen. It might not happen, but hey, you'll have an amazing story to tell. What did your What did your son write down on the paper? I've got no bloody idea. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, I think he said something along the lines of "Don't be nasty to people." I don't know. He was ten. Uh, no, I'm not eleven. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay, the last question. Oh no, second to last uh -huh. question. Sorry. Uh, is yeah, that's right. What's your best purchase under a hundred pounds? That's a great, great question, especially yeah. to ask me because I hate spending money. My best purchase under a hundred pounds. Um, oh, do you know what my best purchase under? I I got it. Do you know? Ah, yes. <laughs> Where is it? So when I it's 
my nifty 50 lens. If it weren't uh, for that lens, then uh, none of this would have happened. Um, somebody on eBay was selling a Nikon, uh, uh, so I don't know if you know much about uh, camera lenses, but was selling a, a Nikon F1.4 50 mil lens. Now they're normally very expensive lenses, but what he'd done is he, the plastic top, um, there's a ring which the lens cap fits on, that's cracked. Um, but the lens itself was perfect and he had no idea. He sold it to me for 99 quid. 99 right. quid I picked up that thing and he had no idea what it was. And it's a 600 pound lens. There's nothing wrong with it other than every now and again the flipping plastic housing comes off. And I, st I still use that lens now. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's probably, there's probably loads more things under 100 pounds. But right now that springs to mind that lens because um, that lens has given me so much. So nice. much. So I'm looking around the corner because I thought it was my son creeping up on me behind me down the corridor. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I go with that for sure because um, there's a certain style, there's a certain um, sharpness, there's a certain quality that um, a prime prime lens gives you. Nice. So yeah, I'd say that's probably my best purchase. There we are. Nice one. Next. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? Last question. Big one. I couldn't give a shit how I'm remembered. Uh, it's, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, uh, I'm not sentimental in any way, shape or form. Um, if, if the, I just want, if, if, if I'm to leave tomorrow, uh, I just want my kids to remember that I taught them some lessons. I want my wife to remember that I loved her dearly. And that's as far as, as far as I care really. Um, oh, and, and Nigel, my second wife, um, to remember that I loved him, uh, that I, I loved him too. Um, but then we had some amazing times together. But I, I honestly, I'm, I'm not interested in, um, in in how I'm remembered, mate. It's, it's not. It's not something that even uh, it factors into my consciousness. Cool question, though. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's uh, yeah, different people have different answers for that. Some people do say that. Of course, so good. Um, this has been a real pleasure, and, and I think it will be a podcast that um, when people say what your favourite podcast, I think this will be one of the ones that sticks in my mind. Um, oh, smooth talker. <laughs> no but seriously it's uh it's, it's nice to to have something different on the podcast as well have something slightly slightly different where you're not just talking about design and how to make vectors and i was like oh yeah actually they never talk about that on the podcast but yeah how to, how to do, like, we, we, listen we, hey, we can do another one we can we can do a lot of that if you want to <laughs> yeah uh we'll definitely do, definitely do another one if you're up for it and um yeah for sure mate and yeah where can people find you and check you out on social media and uh, say hello to you Hit me up uh, at Sash Shots, S-A-S-H Shots, S-H-O-T-S, on all social media platforms. And uh, if you want to check out my website, which is uh, sashshots.photography, um, I'm on there as well. And uh, listen, uh, if you want to give me feedback, if there's anything you don't like, I, I welcome all feedback. That's never been said before. That's good. That's oh, nice. that was what, so going, going back to the design, uh, the engineering company I was telling you right at the beginning, that was one of my first lessons I learned that no feedback is bad feedback. Mm. Every feedback is valid. Um, it's just whether you listen to it or not. Mm. It's it, that's your choice. So if somebody says they don't like something or something doesn't work, you say, great. Why? It's the same with the gigging. You know, people come up to you and go, I hate your band. Cool. <laughs> because there's nothing worse than somebody saying, somebody saying, I love your work. It's, it's meaningless. I can't do anything with that. But if somebody says, I hate your work, I'd love it if you did X. Great. I can do something with that. Like compliments are lovely, of course, and, but I'm, sh I'm shit at taking compliments. But yeah, if, if you want to give me feedback, if you want to talk to me, hit me up, guys. Nice. I like it.
there you go thank you very much for being on the podcast thank you mark thanks for your time Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle podcast. Go check out creativewaffle.club. We've got some great stuff happening over there. The newsletter was the first one we sent out this week. Uh, you can also send in your voice messages uh, for the listeners and guests. Upcoming guests will be on our Instagram. And, yeah, check it all out. Uh, really, really good time right now for, for making podcasts and uh, progressing the show and building up this library of content that we've got to have over at creativewaffle.club. Yeah. It's cool. If you can think of a better username or, or a website name, let me know as well, because creativewaffle.club. Uh, eventually, it will be an illustration slash design club, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, all the latest on the Creative Waffle stuff over there. Thank you very much for listening. Check out Sash. Uh, link's down in the description. See you in the next episode of the Creative Waffle podcast.